0: doing today It is good to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here with us. Um, Santan Scottsdale, thank you guys for being out there. If you're watching five o'clock tonight, thank you for that as well. We're listening online. Thank you for being a part of what God is doing here. Um, You've picked some cool times to be a part of Cornerstone and and what God is happening. We've had this really cool series called What's in Your Bag, and this isn't a chance for us to be creepers to try to figure out what you guys carry with you. Um, It's been more this metaphor, so hopefully you've caught that um, of what we carry through life with us. Because um, there's different things that make up who we are. And so we just decided as a church, what if we talk about some of those things that if they were a part of who we are, it would make us get through life easier. Um, so we've talked about some cool things. And, and if you were a part of last Sunday, I, I don't know if you realize what happened last Sunday, but if you missed, um, you should feel bad because it was amazing. It, it, was, it was unreal. Last Sunday, we talked about baptism and Pastor Lynn gave us this challenge of, man, what if we just stood up and we, we declared that we love Jesus and we did that through baptism, through the next step of faith. And on all three campuses, between Scottsdale, Santan, and here, over 380 people stood up and were baptized. Man. My little baby was, was one of those 380 plus, and it was awesome to watch. Just, just it was oh. Man, it's, it's been so cool to watch what God is doing here. Today as we, we kind of end this series of what's in your back, um, we're gonna talk through hopefully something that, that is a part of our life. Um, today we're, we're gonna look at, at this. Now, if you're, if you're young and maybe born in the, like 95 or, or a little bit later, this is called a book. Um, I realize it doesn't plug in anywhere and there's no lights. Um, I don't have to charge it later, anything like that, so don't, I don't want that to freak you out. Um, this has to be a part of you. It, it has to. Th- this book has to be a part of who we are. If we're going to walk through life and have success, if we're going to walk through life and have peace, if we're going to walk through life and have joy, this is the map. This, this is what guides us through all of that. This book, and, and you need to understand something because th- this book is so readily available. Um, it, it's on your smartphones. It's everywhere. In, in fact, just just out of curiosity, who actually has a a book with them, not a smartphone? But one of these, raise your hand in the air like you just don't care, Holla. Sweet. Um, This book is unique beyond anything that we have on the planet. You understand that this book, that that right now there are people that today will lose their lives because they have ownership of this book in different parts of the world today. This book has been burned, it's been banned um, since Roman... Man, since the times of Rome to, to today, that this book has drastically challenged people so much that they've tried to make it illegal to own copies of this book. This book is unique beyond anything that we have because this, this book, like I said, it'll take us from, from here to God's best, and it'll guide us along the way. Now, most of us treat this book a lot like instructions on Christmas Day. Um, and, and you know what I'm talking about. You, you get whatever it is, and then you're like, <laughs> Whatever and you just start building and then once you finish you've got like 47 screws and nuts left over and you don't understand why January 1st why your swing hits the fence now and why, you're, why your kids like the left side and the right side of their face is all bruised and it's, it's because we don't use the instructions, we, we don't follow that this, this book is an instruction it's, it's an instruction book to take us through life and give us peace and it's, it's so important so what we've got to do and what we've got to understand right off the get go on this is that we don't and this is, this is key, we don't align this book to our lives. We align our lives to this book. And, and what I mean by that is we don't try to make this book justify what we do or who we are. We allow who we are to be justified by this book. Does that make sense? Um, f- good example is this, my, um, my wife has been challenging me to go on a diet now for a while, um, and I'm just like you. You're looking at me going, Tim, really? I know, I'm right there with you. Um, <laughs> So what I've done being a pastor by trade is I've I've helped her to see the wisdom of scripture where um, as I read this book, this book talks way more about feasting and about the banquet table (laughs) than it does about dieting and fasting. Um, It's in here. And I've even added some scripture, Leviticus 3.16. Men write this down, all the fat belongs to the Lord. Beautiful promise. That really is Leviticus 3. That's not what it means. But um, some of, some of you are like, dude, that's my verse for life. Um, you get that we can't make this book say what we want it to say. This book is, is unlike anything that we have in history. And in order for us to get through life with peace, in order, in order for us to get through life with happiness, it, we've got to have a shift and we, we've got to start applying this and not just throw it away. And then when life breaks, we're, we're wondering what's going on. We've got to be proactive instead of reactive, and it starts with us spending time here. So if, if you've got a Bible, man, if you're on your phone, um, wherever you're at, go to 2 go to Timothy. That's where we're going to start. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and, and uh, we're going to walk through some of this and, and hopefully have two different, two different parts of Scripture that, that are going to guide us through what this means and how to do this. So 2 Timothy 3 is where we'll start. And this is written by a guy named Paul. He's writing this to a young man who's um, going to be a pastor, basically. And, and so he's writing this to a young man named Timothy. And he's giving him some advice about this book. He's helping him understand why this book is so important. If he's going to go out and tell people about life and about Jesus, this book is, is vital. in that. And so he's writing this to tell Timothy, hey, this if, as you're doing this, make this a part of it. So starting in verse 16, he says this. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And, and let, me, let, me, let me begin with this. You, you understand that this book may have been written by men, but it's authored by God himself. Let me say that again because that's powerful. This book may have been penned by people, but this book, the author of this book is Jesus. The author of this book is God himself. And, and I love this. All scripture is God-breathed. It, it's almost like as the men were, were sitting here and they were writing this that God was right there whispering in their ear, telling them what to put down. Do you get that? This book is God-inspired. It's God-written. God the author of this book is not a person. It may have some great rules, some regulations. Some, it, this book is God through and through, from cover to cover. There's four things that Paul says that it does for us, and, and there's way more than that. He just points out four to Timothy. He says that this book is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness what this book does if we'll allow it what the instructions found in this book will do in our lives one is it allows us it's useful for teaching which basically means it's useful for teaching us theology it's useful for teaching us what we need to know about God and pointing our lives and aligning our lives with God's best it's useful in showing us the things that we need to know to align our lives to chase after what God wants for our lives so it's useful in teaching that um, it's, it's useful in rebuking or correcting us. It, it's useful for pointing out the things in our life that don't line up. And I don't know about you, but when I read this book, the more I spend in this book, I realize that there are things in my life that don't reflect what's written here. This book points that out. So it, it's useful in teaching theology. It's useful in, in pointing out or rebuking. It's useful for correcting. And I love this word, the way it's used in cor- this word for correction here. It, it means basically that something is crooked and it's pulled straight. So what it does is not only does this book point out the things in our life that don't belong, but this book guides us in how to make our lives line up with this. Does that make sense? It, it guides us through what it means to know how to put this an, into our life. It says it's useful for training in righteousness. If you're a parent, you're going to get this a little bit better. Um, th- this, is, this is the same verbiage that would be used for training children which I don't know how your kids are, but my kids, they're never going to learn. It, this is going to be an ongoing process. We train them for the rest of our lives. This book is going to train and guide us for the rest of our lives. We're going to continue to read this book and learn and grow from this book as long as we're alive. So this book is God-breathed. It's inspired by God himself. It's authored by God himself. It's, it teaches us what we need to know about God. It, it corrects us in knowing things in our life that don't line up. It helps us to to know how to straighten those things out in our life, and then it, it teaches us over and over and over and over. You'll notice in those four things that only one of them is educational. The other three are actual things that we do. You see, for us to spend time in this and gain knowledge in this, but just to gain knowledge is, is of no use to anybody. It, it does us no good to know all these things. That, that's why it, it says one of them is to gain knowledge, and then the other three are actual things that we do with the knowledge. It's, it's kind of like, um, well, it's like algebra. You, you don't really need algebra for anything. Um, so for you to know what algebra is, unless you're building a plane or something, there's really no... This is knowledge that's not in use if if we don't apply it. And if you're a math teacher, I apologize. Students, (laughs) algebra is super important. You should study. Um, It's God-breathed. It's inspired. Verse 17. This is why Paul says, if we do those things, if we'll allow this book to teach us, if we'll allow this book to correct and to rebuke and to to help straighten our lives out, if we'll allow this book on a daily basis to teach us, Paul says, so that, verse 17, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. So that as we walk through this life, as we travel this journey from, from birth to death, as we try to find God's happiness, as we try to find God's place in our life, Better yet, as we try to find our place in God's life, as we combine those two things together, if we apply this book, it's going to equip us and help us to be able to, to do that to where it makes sense. It's going to make us, it, it helps us through that journey. It guides us. Now, I, I said that um, there's, there's knowledge, but there's application, and both are important. Please don't misunderstand that. Knowledge, we need to know those things. It's just important that we apply it as well. This is the knowledge side of what we're doing. Um, flip just a little bit to the left. I'm sorry, to the right, to Hebrews. Go, go to Hebrews four, because I, I want you to see the application side of this now. If that's the knowledge side, if that's what this book does in our life, if this book will train us, will teach us, will rebuke us, will correct us, if it'll do those things, that this is, this is how those things take place in our life. Um, and, and you need to understand this, and, and I'll say this unashamedly and unapologetic, um, it does not matter if you agree With what this book says, this book does not need your approval for it to be truth. This book is truth because of who wrote it, not because of our approval. Um, I was pulled over as 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 16 years old, and I don't know if this is anybody else, but at 16, I realized that I was smarter than everybody else, um, and I realized that there were some really dumb laws in place. And I I was in high school. we had this really, it was, wasn't a smart thing that the school did, which I don't know if they still do this today, but it's called open lunch. It's where you can leave during lunchtime. And basically it allows every high school student the chance to speed and get to someplace and try to suck down food and then get back to campus before they're tardy. Um, it was a horrible idea. On paper, it looks really good. We had 45 minutes where I was from and my house was 15 minutes one way from the campus. Um, and I remember one Friday coming in and a friend of mine asked me, Hey Tim, you want to spend the night? We'll go play basketball. We'll hang out. And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. I'll go home, pick up some stuff. Um, and then I'll meet you back, you know, fifth period and we'll, we'll talk through whatever. And I remember getting in my car driving home and I hit the worst traffic jam ever and it, it logged me down and my 15 minute trip home was now 30 minutes home. And I was trying to decide cause again, all the fat belongs to the Lord. I got to get food in here somewhere. So I, I, in my, my mind, I, I get to the, this road that goes from, to my parents' house, and it was a two-lane highway, um, you know, one coming in, one coming out. Um, they were expanding it, road construction was going on, so it's now two lanes coming in, two lanes coming out. They were in the process of building it, and so I remember hitting that highway, um, or that, that stretch of road, it was about a quarter of a mile, maybe a little bit farther to get from where I was to that section, anyway, to my parents' house. And I remember looking around, um, and it was lunchtime, all the workers were on break. Um, wide-open road, because West Texas, there's no turns. You just drive straight forever. Um, And I remember seeing that stretch of highway, and in my infinite wisdom as a 16-year-old, I remember thinking to myself, I can just go faster. Um, Because the speed limit on the road normally was 50, and, you know, construction, it was 25. And I remember hitting about 65 down this road, because that was going to help things. Again, because I'm smarter than everybody else, and I was driving to get there. um, And I remember this really nice guy pulled me over to talk to me about what was going on. Um, And as he did, he was super nice, really concerned about me. He asked me if, you know, if there was a rush or an emergency that was going on. Um, He wanted to make sure I knew how to drive. So he asked for my license and insurance. So I handed it to him. Um, He went to his car that was parked behind me, had these cool lights. I don't know if it was a rave or what was going on, but it was behind me. Um, He walked back up to me a little bit later. And in the process, as a 16 year old, I realized that this guy doesn't know as much as I do. So let me, I needed to educate him on some things and I'll remember this as long as I live, he walked up, um, or he stood beside me at the window, um, and I began to tell him my philosophy on speeding, and construction, and work sites, and stretches of highway, and how long I had driven, how good of a driver I was, and really, I'd been driving since I was nine, we just didn't tell anybody, and I was, I was really good at what I did, and there was nobody else on the road, straight such a highway, and I even pointed out to him, and I even pointed to the people, I was like, man, look, the workers, they're on break. Um, now, doesn't it make sense? Because I've always learned, my dad taught me this. Doesn't it make, it always makes sense to get somebody to feel your pain and that's how you connect with them. So I remember looking at this guy and I was like, man, doesn't it make sense, sir, that if they're on brake, the speed limit should go back up. So really I, I, I was speeding and I apologize for that, but really not, I was only going 15 miles an hour over because the speed limit should be 50 because they're all on brake. And I remember this guy going, man, no one has ever pointed that out to me before. And he walked back to his car again, so I thought, it's the greatest day ever. Um, he came back up with a clipboard, handed it to me, and he's like, hey, I need you to sign here. And I was like, whoa, 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 I thought, I thought we were on the same page here. You agree, we, you're, this is a ticket. Um, and I learned some really important things that day. One, when you get a ticket, tell your parents right off the bat. Students, don't, don't hide that, because they find out and it's super bad for you later on. <laughs> Two, don't speed in a construction zone, because that is like way more expensive than anything in life should be. Three, it doesn't really matter if you don't agree with the law. If you break it, you are still penalized for it. It didn't matter that I had good reasons to speed. It didn't matter that I was a great driver. It didn't matter that he agreed with me. The only thing that mattered was I broke the law. If, if we read something here that we don't agree with, our job isn't to try to justify it to what we want. Our job is to apply and align our lives to what we read. Let's go in. and Hebrews 4. Now, and just as a heads up, if you're a type A type personality, um, I need to apologize because this is going to hurt you for a little bit and you're going to want to punch me. So please don't. We're going to go backwards in this. So just bear with me. I promise there's a reason. But instead of reading through, we're going to start at the end and work our way up. So Hebrews 4, we're going to start in verse 16 and work backwards a little bit. Um, and I know I just messed up your whole world. Um, don't punch your neighbor. We're in church. <laughs> Hebrews 4 verse 16 says this. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This book is saying, if we use this book to teach us, to rebuke, to correct and all those things, what this book is saying is, is that we can go to the throne of grace or we can go before God himself and we can expect it with confidence and we can expect to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We can go to God completely broken, completely screwed up, completely ruined by life. We can go to God with all the things that we hide from everybody else. And we can expose those to God himself with peace and confidence that we'll receive mercy. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, if we're going to read this as truth in his life, that scares the fire out of me to go to God and tell him the things that I try to hide from everybody else. I mean, that, that's, that's terrifying. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet is without sin. You see, we can do that. We can go to God completely broken, completely wide open before him, because Jesus knows exactly what it's like to live on this planet. He knows exactly what it's like to feel betrayal. He knows exactly what it's like to be angry because everybody that, you, everybody that you thought was your friend completely sold you out. He knows what it's like to have family disown you and not want to be a part of your life. His family didn't even believe he was who he was until after he came back from the grave. He knows what it's like to walk into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and to have crowds cheering his name and, and celebrating who he is. And then just a few days later, cheering for him to be put to death. He knows what it's like to have people walk up and spit in his face and make fun of him and mock him. He knows what what temptation, he knows the pain of this world. And I love what the writer here says. We have a high priest or we have a a God that sympathizes with us because he's walked through this life exactly like we are. And he's felt the struggles that we felt. And he knows how difficult it is to get through this life. And he beat it. Verse 14. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Because we can trust that this God knows what it is for us to feel this this pain and and the sorrow and the things that this world throws at us, because we have a God that's been through these things with us, we can can hold firm to the faith that we have in him. Verse 12. Verse 12. And now type A, we'll we'll flip it just because I don't want y'all to get mad. Verse 12. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes of him whom we must give account. What this guy is saying is if we can go to God, Completely open and bare. We can go to his throne with, with peace and confidence knowing that he's going to give us mercy and grace and we can expose the deepest, darkest parts of our life. This, this stuff about sharper than any two-edged sword, it, it's, it's almost like God is a surgeon and this book is his scalpel and it will, it will slice us open and divide us bearing the innermost darkest parts of our world before him. And if we'll allow it, this book will remove the pain and the junk that's in our lives. And through the power that's in this book, because it's living and it's active and it's real, it will help us to get life. Amen. It's, um, it's our job to go to the surgeon. We, uh, mo- most of you guys know our story. We have a, a son who's um, he's 13 now. He wasn't supposed to live past four days. Um, he had a 2% chance of survival. He has this weird heart defect called hypoplastic left heart syndrome, where he doesn't have a four-chamber heart. He just has half of a heart, so he only has two. He doesn't have a left side at all. Um, so, when he was born, um, his heart wasn 't connected to his lungs, so it pumped blood through his body it just didn 't connect oxygen, so his body had blood it just didn 't have oxygen in it, um, so usually, when they're born, they 're born, they suffocate three or four days later, and they, they die. Um, our son, when he was four days old, we found out five months into pregnancy, my wife and I did it. and so we 've educated ourselves all that we could on what this disease was, what was gonna happen, kind of what to do next, all these things. Um, And and the the thing for us to do with our son was to take him to a doctor that I'd never met before, who knew way more than I ever will, and hand our four-day-old son to him. And what he did was, this doctor cut our son open at the chest, pulled his chest apart, went into where his heart was, and, and corrected what was broken. He connected the heart to the lungs, so that as the body pumped, it pushed oxygen and blood through. That's what this is saying. We should go to God with this openness of a, of a surgeon, trusting that he's going to go in with a scalpel, and he may, he may cut us open, and, and I guarantee you it's going to hurt. He may He may cut us to through bone and through marrow, he may cut through decisions and through thought processes because we may think that we're doing everything that we're supposed to, and as we read this book, we realize that we're, we're backwards. And what this book does is it exposes those parts of our life that don't belong. And it allows, it allow, and listen to this, it allows Jesus to come into those parts of our life and change us to be more like him. And it guides us into places of getting happiness and peace and this book is the, the map that takes us from point A to God's best for our life. And there's no alternate route. My question for you this morning is, is, is this, um, how much of this book are you allowing to be a part of your life? You, you understand if we believe that this book is life, it should be more than something than just an app on our phone. It should be more than something that just sits in a bookshelf and gets dust this book, if we really believe that this book gives us life, this book has to become a part of our life. This has to be a part of our baggage that we carry with us everywhere. This book has to be a part of who we are. What, what if, what if we got a little crazy as a church and as a church, we committed to just in, to just spending 15 minutes a day reading this book. And remember, it's not like any other book in history. So I'm not saying you start at the beginning and just read through to the end like you would read a normal book because it's not a normal book. I'm saying you, you start and you start reading and you start applying your life to what you read at whatever it is that you're reading. And if you're looking for a place, man, I can't think of a better place to start than the book of Acts. You want to see what would happen if a church would come together and pray and the crazy things that would take place. Start in the book of Acts and, and look at what would happen to the valley if a, a God a God-sized group of people would come together and pray and seek God's face and spend time in this book, it would change the valley drastically. You know what, forget that. It would change the world drastically. What if we got together and you spent 15 minutes a day reading this book? And some of you, that's, you're doing an hour a day. That, that's, man, keep it up. <laughs> some of us, though, we, we never use this book. What if you applied 15 minutes, and in doing so, you did exactly what the writer of Hebrews described. You placed your life before God, completely bare, completely open, completely transparent to what he already knows. And you allowed this book to point out the things in your life that don't line up with God's best for your life. And as you did that, you didn't just gain knowledge you started to to apply that and you started to, like a surgeon, remove those parts of your life that don't belong and start aligning yourself up with who God is and what God's best for your life is. What if for the next 30 days, just give it a shot and see, the next 30 days, you dedicated 15 minutes in the morning before your day started, because if this book is really life, it should hit you before coffee and before the news. It should hit you before Kentucky wins the final four. It should hit you before all of those things for 15 minutes a day you spent time here and allowed this book to change you here. And you went completely open and bare trusting that you'll receive mercy and grace from the giver of mercy and grace. Let me pray for us. God, thanks for, um, thanks for today. (laughs) Jesus, thank you for the fact that, that we can go before you completely trusting that we may be broken, we may be completely screwed up. God, that we may have everything in the world wrong with us according to what this book said we may be doing everything the direct opposite of what this book is telling us and God we can still stand before you completely open completely honest in complete submission to the fact that you still will give us mercy and grace and you'll still love us in spite of who we are because it's not about who we are it's because of who you are so Jesus as a church would you give us the wisdom would you give us the the fire God to go out of this place to consume this book like it is living and active to consume this book like it is the only chance we have for peace and happiness. And God, that we would read this book and we would apply what we read and we would make this book an active everyday part of our life. And God, you would use us as a catalyst to change this part of the city. And God, we would see the things that happen in this book happen in our lives. Jesus, for this to take place, man, it's super scary. So would you come in and help us? God, would you guide us through that in your beautiful and holy name, amen.